Hey guys, Flip Hacking Live is coming up quickly. It's in October in San Diego. It is three days packed full of some of the best real estate investors you will ever be around. I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm going to be speaking this year, and I would love to see you guys there. You can get tickets at a huge discount, way cheaper than you would get if you go on the website or even worse if you show up that day. But if you get them right now, I've negotiated a price for you guys. If you go to juststartrealestate.com forward slash flip hacking live, that's juststartrealestate.com forward slash Flip Hacking Live. You can get your very inexpensive tickets. You can get to see me. I would love to meet you guys, and I want to see you there. So hopefully you'll get those tickets, and we'll uh, we'll see you in San Diego. All right, guys, let's cue up the show. Man, okay, I'm going to share the coolest secret I have. I don't oh, have very many cool secrets, so this here we go. This is awesome. This is great. <laughs> I, I love that I just peeled back this onion. I'm getting like the coolest secret. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, guys, thank you for joining me here on Just Start Real Estate. I am excited to have you. I'm excited that you've chosen this show to be a part of and to listen to and to give your time to, guys. My time is important to me. I know your time is important to you, and you're choosing to be here. So that's cool as hell. So thank you for doing that. And um, uh, today on the show, uh, I've got a friend of mine who is also a fantastic and very successful real estate investor. He's been in real estate for a number of years. His name is Terry Berger. Um, Terry is is a guy who was a realtor for a long time, just crushing it, doing like almost 100 deals a year, just tearing it up in a very competitive market of Atlanta, Georgia. And kind of at some point said, listen, I'm killing myself running around. I'm like, in his words, um, like an ER doctor, like always on call being a realtor with all these deals going on. And he wanted some of his time back and, and he discovered real estate investing. And he realized he could do significantly less deals, less transactions and make just as much or more money. So we're going to listen to his journey to going from being this full-time realtor running around crazy to uh, an investor who also has a real estate business that he's systematized and automated and and brought people in that could run. And uh, he's running his investing company and spending a lot less time and making a lot more money. So he's a true inspiration and I'm excited to have him on the show. So I hope you are too. Let's get the show rolling. All right, Terry Berger, thank you for being here, man. I, I really appreciate it. You're you're the man and a friend, and, and it's awesome that you're agreeing to do this, um, specifically because I know a lot about you, and you're a family guy, and you, you really prioritize that. So I know that your time is valuable, and you don't give it out lightly. So thank you for being here. Mike Simmons, man, it is an honor to be with you. You're my hero. So... <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna go on a loop now. Uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be a permanent part of this show. Uh, no, man, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, you're a good dude, and uh, when I think of people, not just in business, but when I think of people, there's a handful of people in my life, a very small group of people that I, you know, one of the, one of the compliments that I've always said in my life that is like the biggest compliment you can give somebody is that they're a good person, right? And there's very few people out there, in my opinion, that you can just say blanket, like they're a very good 
person just you know transcends everything business friendships family like you're just a good solid person so you're one of those guys and and i really appreciate your friendship man and thanks for sammy mm-hmm. hero i love that thanks. that's that's awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> we've known each other for a few years now and uh you know this business can be weird and kind of nasty and cutthroat and people get very ambitious but uh i don't want to jump ahead but i know your priorities in the right place and i i always appreciate people who have the priorities in the right place so um let's dig into it a little bit let's talk about sure. you let's go back um, I've heard you on uh, on Bill Allen's podcast recently, and I don't need to go back to birth. You you jokingly went back to your birthday, <laughs> yes. um, but but let's go back a little bit. I you're sort of a, a longtime realtor, and and I want to talk about what that business looked like briefly, and mm-hmm. then let's talk about your real estate investing business and how that evolved. Yeah, so um, I taught. I was a classically trained musician, so um, I, I think there's a lot to that. So kind of like a college athlete, or there's just like high level stuff that you're doing in college, right? And so I got out of college, taught middle school for a long time, had a blast doing that, and um, but then um, started to feel like my career was like Groundhog Day, the movie. You ever see that movie? Yeah, Bill Murray. Yep, yep. I felt like it was like that, and then um, wanted something different. My wife wanted to be a stay at home mom. And she was pregnant and I'm like, I don't want to do this on a teacher's salary. So jumped into real estate. Uh, it was really cool. I'm standing in the band room before class starts and my house in Ohio was supposed to close the same day and the same time as my house here in Atlanta. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't getting done. And so, uh, so I was all over my realtor up in Ohio to get this thing done. What do I got to do? And I do the rush, the rush of getting that deal done uh, even with the limited knowledge I had at the time was so much fun. <laughs> I was just crazy fun. And I, I loved it so much. You know, I, I joke with people, my favorite game growing up was Monopoly. So I was destined to get in real that's estate. Right, right? That's right. That's right. And so, uh, anyway, getting that deal done, it kind of lit a fire. Like, man, I've been thinking about getting out of teaching for a couple of years. What, what's the next thing? And so, uh, anyway, uh, got my real estate license, <laughs> Um, I hated my job here in Atlanta. And so when I went home after a bad day, I was motivated to kind of get through some more real estate school online. Um, and I got my license and that first year without knowing anybody in my market, I sold like 50 houses. Wow. Just, just hustling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was a lot of fun and, and, and worked to where I was selling 70 to 90 houses, build a team and all that good stuff. So what did that look like from like a lifestyle? Like what was your lifestyle like at that point? Oh man, you're running around with your hair on fire. Um, you know, praise the Lord that my wife was as, as understanding as she was. So she was pregnant with our first, our son, and she slept all the time. And thank goodness she slept all the time, uh, because I was hand addressing postcards and stamps and the whole deal. And then I was showing houses. I mean, I was literally, you know, you bootstrap it and you're doing everything you can in your power to get it done. And and you're hoping your marriage is going to stay together in the midst of it. Right. (laughs) Cause if if both parties don't agree to that, you know, yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. It's funny. Just going back quickly to your middle school days. I kind of forgot about that actually, that my wife is a middle school teacher and Mm -hmm. and she teaches science. And I just, I, I know what that life is like. Um, it's man. It's like, you should be commended just for having gone through that. Like that's, Middle schoolers are not the easiest demographic of people to deal with, so I can imagine it. It can get out of control in a in a music uh, music class. So, yeah. yeah, but it was great. I would, even today I went home with more energy than I showed up with, and I don't know. And middle school teachers are sick that way, right? Like your <laughs> wife might be the same way. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but anyway, so, uh, so we're building that, that, that business sold 50 houses in my first year. I think we went to 62, 65 the next year, started adding team members, but dude, honestly, um, as the kids started growing, uh, my son played soccer and I was at, my goal was to beat every game. Yeah. And I had to show houses on a Saturday and I missed his game. And my wife texted me and said, Colin just scored his first goal. And I was devastated yeah. and I missed it, you know? And, uh, and that was a stake in the ground. I think we all have these stake in the ground moments. And that was, I put the hammer down and said, there's gotta be a better way. I didn't know what the better way was at the time. Yeah. But when you're selling that many houses as an agent, it's like an ER doctor on call all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of the, man, I, I know so many people in this industry and a lot of good people. And I know a lot of them that they will miss something if they're closing a deal or if they have an opportunity to get a house under contract, like they'll, they'll just sacrifice it. And they kind of sometimes use it as a badge of honor. Like, you know, I'm doing this and I'm sacrificing and you have to sacrifice to have anything in this world. And there's some truth maybe to that, but I love, that's what I like about you so much, man. Like that was your turning point. Like I missed Mm -hmm. my son's first goal and that's not going to happen again. And it's, man, it's just cool. I just respect the heck out of that. I really do. Well, and on the flip side of that, you know, the guys that are wearing that as a badge of honor working for the family, right? Um, you know, you and I are old enough that we've seen that mentality usually ends up in some sort of bad place in your marriage. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but as a kid growing up, all my friends, parents were at the concerts, were at the stuff that they, they were doing. My parents weren't. My parents were into their own thing. I mean, I had great parents, you know, they taught me a, a really strong work ethic and a bunch of good stuff. But at the same time, you know, back then, even 10 years old, 12 years old, I remember why isn't mom and dad at the concert when all my friends, uh, family is at the concert. Yeah. Well, and I just, again, one day that's not going to be me. I'm going to be there. Yep. Yeah. I had a very similar, it's funny. I didn't know that about that part. I didn't know. I had a similar situation. My dad, I, I played football. I ran track. I played baseball. I was involved in martial arts for 20 years and not not one event, not one thing mm. we went to. Um, so I was I was kind of hell bent to not be that too. Like I I think some people run, uh, they they emulate their parents or they run the opposite direction in certain ways. And 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 both of them can be educational, right? You sometimes you see what you don't want to be. So yeah. yeah, that had a huge impact on me too. And I I never miss anything either. I, I have a it's not for today, but I'll tell you the story sometime when we're alone about a, a drive I had back from a, a uh, an appointment when I worked a nine to five, and I promised my daughter I would be at her recital. She was like. Mm. And the speeds that I had to go in the in the snowy, icy uh, ju- uh, January, Michigan in January, like it's it's a it's a miracle I'm alive. Like I was, oh, man. But anyway, I, I and you I really, made it though, right? You made it. I, I did make it, and like awesome. she was ab- like she's oblivious. Like I should have been dead fifty times on that ride home. <laughs> like I was literally driving on ice, hydroplaning most of the way, going like 90, 100 miles an hour. Oh I should have been pulled over. I should have spun out. Like it was. Ab- I'm not. I'm not saying people should do this, but that's how important <laughs> it was to me to get there because I said I would be there. So yeah. Um. Anyways, it's kids awesome. don't really care why you aren't there. They just know you said you would be and you weren't. So yep. Amen. This is taking a weird turn. This isn't where we normally go in this. Uh, this kind of a podcast. <laughs> but it's important, you know. It like I, it just kind of yeah. It underscores you know what we're talking about. It's important, and I think that's that's huge. Yeah, people leak who they are, and uh, that's what I tell my team all the time. So you're going to leak the good stuff, you're going to leak the bad stuff, and, right. and it all has a the leak has a source somewhere. You know, <laughs> that's right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> so you're doing like 80, 90 uh, houses as a realtor, 
running around like an ER doctor, getting calls mm-hmm. all hours of the day and night and feeling like you have to respond to that. You're, you're, you're in danger of missing things that is important to you, your family, your kids. So what happened? What did you do? Because I think a lot of people are in this position, whether it's a you know crazy nine to five where they're where they're abusive with their time, or they're running a business that's like that. Like, well, how did you? What did you do for that? You know, well, the, something did me right. It was the recession, so we we were going all great guns. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, I probably should be buying some rental properties or doing some real estate investments. You know, I started to, I was coached by the Buffini and company group, you know, um, they do real estate agent coaching and he's got a podcast and stuff now, but, um, and so had a, a, you know, started to start thinking about the business of real estate. I think the biggest mistake real estate agents make is you're selling 90 houses a year and you're making great money. Um, I mean, considering I was making 45,000 as a teacher and I was making 200 as an agent, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you either start spending 200, which I didn't, but, or you start starting thinking like, what do I, I need to do something with my my money. Mm -hmm. Um, the recession happened. We went from selling 90 houses a year to selling 12, um, in 2009. And, uh, we were broke. So not a lot of people know the story, but you seem to be like Dr. Phil here today. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to share a story. All right. I, um, so being a classically trained musician, I was, all I wanted was a baby grand piano, not just a baby grand. I wanted a grand piano in my house. And so in 2006, I think we had the money to go out and buy a grand piano, had this fam- formal living room. I had the coffered ceilings put in. And my dream was to be playing this grand piano as my my kids were growing up, so they would kind of be into music and stuff, right? Yeah. Now, I'm not a very good piano player. I just like to mess around. So, by this grand piano, I think I paid 12000 for it. Well, um, having a great time. Everything's going well. The recession hits. And all of a sudden, you know, when we followed the Dave Ramsey stuff, we had money in the bank. But the problem was is I'd always sold seven or eight houses a month. Always. Yeah since I got, I mean, for seven or eight years or whatever, however long it was since I got in real estate, uh, never, never in a million years did I think I would go three months with a goose egg, you know? Yeah. So, um, anyway, we go lose everything. We lost a house up on the lake. I had to give it back to the bank so that I could keep my primary house that we're still in today. Mm -hmm. But the worst part, the hardest part was in, in all of that, I had to sell that baby grand piano so we could survive three more months. Yeah. That's hard. That is heart wrenching. Oh my gosh. Did you ever find another, another piano or that, that was it, huh? You know, that was it. I, um, we certainly could now, but, uh, it's not as important to me anymore, you know, but, um, but that was, uh, but thank goodness I bought it. Right. Because it it was like a piggy bank. I was able to break the piggy bank and we were able to survive three more months until then the market started to to tick up. It wasn't all doom and gloom for us. I mean, in, in 2010, I think we sold 25 houses, 2011, it got back up to 30, 35, 2012, we were back in the forties or fifties. I, I don't know the exact number, but I, but the handwriting was on the wall. Like yeah. the whole, the whole soccer goal thing is still going in the, in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm trying to find out who's making run, money in real estate, um, around 2009, 2010. Cause I couldn't get a job. I wanted to be a sales guy with a software company. Couldn't do that. Everybody was laid off, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so the kind of the turning point was I was sitting at a closing and 
there's Six Flags over Georgia. It's like the big amusement park down here. And there was a huge flood that came through and flooded out a bunch of these ranch houses. Well, during the recession, as you may remember, there was the first time homebuyer tax credit. Mm-hmm. We're sitting there at the closing and this agent says to me, you know, I've got this investor. He's buying these houses that were flooded up to the ceiling, redoing them, putting $50,000 into them. And they're making about 40 or 50 grand. Like there's no way anybody in real estate is making that kind of money today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nobody. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> And so the natural skeptic in me, I run home, I start doing the research um, on those houses that they were talking about, find the name of the company. Sure enough, they're making that kind of money uh, on those houses. And that, that started the journey of trying to figure this whole thing out. That's awesome. Mm Yeah, it it is amazing. You know, it's funny how counter, uh, counter um, the, we are in real estate investing to what, to what, the media tells us, right? Mm-hmm. I always tell people because people will say, you know, right now it, we're in, in a seller's market in a lot of places, right? So in Michigan, it's it's a the, the market's great, right? I'm doing air quotes. It's great. So realtors are doing well, and there's a lot of high sales and things. So like my friends and family who who don't know exactly how I do what I do, they're like, oh, you must be killing. You know, the market's great. And I'm like, it is great if you're selling houses. If you're a realtor, it's really really good. This is a tough market for investors right now. It's a little oh, bit okay. tougher because everyone thinks they they're going to get top dollar. But when the thing crashes and the media is telling you, get out of real estate, everything's crashing, like that's when you want to go in, right? It's like a stock. Yeah. Like you don't want to buy it when it's at its highest it's ever been in three decades. That's not when you buy the stock. You buy it when it kind of goes down and you think it'll go back up. So it, yeah, it's interesting um, when you say that oh, nobody's making money. Nobody's making $40,000 in 2010. That's a realtor's perspective because you know you guys are struggling. So yeah, it's it's super interesting. So you, you found out these guys were for real. They're really making... You you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars, or whatever it was. You did your research on that. So, mm. what does that look like for a realtor who's doing, you know, tons of deals, or has used to doing tons of deals as a realtor? Because I'll tell you, I, I have, I have heard you talk on other podcasts, and I know you. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of trying to convert realtors in my business. I, I find it difficult because they mm. sort of know how things go. And it's difficult to change their mindset into an investor mindset. At least the experience that I've had. So, how did you do that? yourself? Like, how did you switch your perspective and go in that direction? Well, a couple things. Um, I found at the time I found bigger pockets that was out there. Um, that was probably, I'm thinking 2012. And then I found Justin Williams podcast, um, seven, the house flipping formula or house flipping HQ, whatever it was called back at the time. Yeah. And I found those two things. I would listen to those as I was taking a shower in the morning. I constantly, one of those two podcasts was on and so I was learning by listening and then I was just waiting for the right opportunity to show up. Yeah. And so I'll tell you, so you talk about converting realtors. So I'm sitting at a listing appointment with this gentleman and his wife, they're retired. And so I'm in the Atlanta market. They are wanting to move closer to, um, I think it was Charlotte, North Carolina. And so they're moving to North Carolina to be closer to their kids and their grandkids. And so we're sitting there with the listing paperwork and I'm like, I'm walking through the house and this guy, you know, he'd maintained his house. Neighborhood wasn't super great, but he had maintained his property Mm -hmm. and there was nothing really to do to this thing. So um, he's like, boy, you know, I wish, um, I wish somebody would just kind of bring me an offer. And I'm like, sir, that's what we're trying to do here. You know, press hard, you know, three times there. And uh, (laughs) let's get this list, this up. I'll order the photographs. I'll do the whole, I'm going through my realtor spiel. Yeah. Second time he says it a different way. In essence, the same thing, you know, gosh, if somebody would just 
I, I really don't want a bunch of people through my house. Do you know anybody who might be interested? And I'm like, oh, I don't know anybody kind of right now who might be interested, but that's why we put it on the MLS and yeah. market, you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> go to your realtor spiel again. Yep, you just and round then, peg and square hole going for uh, it. Third time, it was like he threw a rocket or hit me with a baseball bat. And I was like, this is it. This is the opportunity I've been looking for. Yeah. And here I am in realtor mode. Uh, <laughs> I said, sir, I tell you, I've been really wanting to buy my first investment property and I'd love to make you an offer on this house. Can you give me like three or four days? Now, we're coming out of the recession. I had zero money. Yeah. And at the time, you know, I, I didn't know, I didn't know where to find money. Yep. So I called a buddy of mine who was doing really well. And I said, Britt, I think I found this great investment. And he was doing great through the recession. And he and I split it, rented it to some Kennesaw State students for a year, sold it off and made like 20 grand a piece. And that was it. Nice. I, I just knew I needed to start finding those deals. Yeah. You know, now you're right. Back in the recession days, when the house flipping shows are not on TV, those guys are shooting fish in a barrel. Yep. Yeah. I'm so jealous of... <laughs> You know, those guys that were pulling deals off the MLS and such, but totally. they're not around anymore. No. Well, I am. I'm here. I was doing that. But the problem I had is I started in 2008, mm. which means I stumbled around, didn't know what I was doing. Like I had another full-time job, which is totally cool. I think it's not a bad way to go, but I didn't have my stuff together for about four years. Mm. And so by the time I sort of started figuring out some things, like shooting fish in a barrel off the MLS was going away. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So if I had, you know, if I, but then you go, if I'd have started four years before that, I might've gotten really burned during the recession, right? I might not yeah. have seen it coming and been burned. So I got in at the middle and I, I look back and go, oh, I didn't know enough to really take advantage of that. So I'm waiting, man. If it happens again, I'm here. But, <laughs> oh yeah, um, no doubt. But it, but it was good. I got in and, and I got my feet wet and sort of learned the ropes a little bit during that time. So that was kind of cool. But yeah, that's... um. So you, you did that, you got your first investment property. Um, so I, I kind of know where you are now and I want to, I want to bridge that a little bit. So how did you go from this, this realtor, were you a broker back then, by the way? Uh, no, I never did I'd get my oh, broker's you never got your license. Broker. Okay. So you were this realtor, like trying to force the the listing a little bit and then you, the light went on, aha, you, you get this deal, you, you split it with a friend, you guys made money. What happens now to kind of make you go from full-time, all-on realtor to viewing yourself as at least as much an investor? So pre-recession, I built a team, right? I had two or three agents working underneath me, so I knew how to do that. So that was an advantage of the pre-recession day. So post-recession, I had a focus. So before, I was just a realtor with a team. After um, the recession and I found that first deal, I'm like, things are starting to ramp up. So we're back up to 60, 70, 80 properties, depending on the year. Yeah. I, I decided that I was going to, um, uh, I was going to build up the team, take the 50% um, haircut on my salary or what I would make and farm out all the deals I could to a couple of agents on my team. So a typical split back then was like 50, 50. And so I would give a lot away, a lot of leads. I would, I would pick the cherries off the top. So if my friends were buying a five or $600,000 house or whatever, I would take those high, high dollar ones because they meant a lot more. Yep. And, um, and, and I would work those and, and pocket those and, and deal with that. And so I leveraged my team 
to get me to the point where I had two or three projects going. And then once I had two or three projects going, I started to have some traction. And then once I, once you, I think the first year we did full time, I did seven deals and I matched what it would do 50 deals as a realtor. Right. So then that freed up time it freed up resources. I started to talk more people. Um, you know, um, I, I, joining the mastermind group was immensely helpful. Yeah. We should mention that by the way, the seven figure flipping group, that's where we met, right? Seven figure flipping. Um, I believe it was the second meeting, uh, that we met you. And I remember you talking through some of these, these decisions, like, you know, we kind of, it's a mastermind, right? So we all sort Mm -hmm. of sit around and, and we, we help people kind of help, uh, work through these decisions and, and give you tough love. Like, Hey man, you know, you're, you want to be an investor, but you're spending all this time as a real, like, I remember these discussions and it was kind yeah. of a, it's hard for anybody when you have, you know, it's easy to say when you have nothing and you're living in your parents' basement, like, Hey, go all in, right? Cause you have nothing to lose and there's no <laughs> right. money to like, but you had a thriving business and you were trying to completely change your focus and, and, but not like drop all of the balls that were in the air. You know what I mean? That's a, that's yep. a tough thing to do. But I remember that. I remember that time and, and talking to you during that time in the, in the seven figure group. So yeah, it's, uh, I remember, I remember that very well. I, I remember one of the, I think it was the one, it was small for a while, right? So yep. the second meeting was in Utah. The third meeting, I think we rented this mansion up in San Diego somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And we all were in the same house. That was really cool. Yep. And then in the, uh, during the day we'd go down to mastermind in the basement. So but I remember standing there, there were two problems I had. One, I was still selling real estate and Justin jumped all over me. He said, next time you come here, you better not sell a single house. So <laughs> it forced me right out of the comfort zone. I had to leave, yeah. it's like Linus with a blanket. I had to leave my blue blanket behind. Yep. And, and then the second thing was, was money. I'm like, guys, I'm broke. I mean, is anybody else here broke? <laughs> and, and, and all of a sudden, like four people stood up and said, that's just completely normal when you get started, like you don't know where to find money. <laughs> yeah. And it was so refreshing because you think, I don't know, you just think you're in it and your problems are just your problems and nobody else has them. Totally. Yeah. You're and, so right, man. People, you go to these things and you hear, I don't think it's necessarily on purpose, but people tend to talk about what they're doing and what's working and that they think that's being helpful. And it, and it really is. But it is so true. Most people sitting there are either experiencing some challenges or have recently experienced challenges. I, we have challenges in our business every, all the time. To yesterday and today, I was involved, and, and I have a team, and I don't do a ton of like in the trenches day to day stuff. But we had a significant deal that was supposed to close, and it was starting to go sideways. Mm-hmm. So I kind of inserted myself a little bit to sort of make sure that it was going to happen, but. It was really stressful for a while. It was a it was a big deal, and it was going sideways for a really dumb reason. And and yeah, so people have these challenges. And hey, we've lost money on deals. Like I, I know what it's like. I know exactly what you're talking about. People think we don't lose money. People think everything's going great. We hire people. They work out well, and everyone's happy, and they just crush it. It's just not that way all the time. So no, no, and I think you got to be talking through those challenges because I was like, it was like being in a, I was never in an AA meeting or anything like that. But I mean, I can imagine the freedom that people feel like when they go and they they realize they're not alone, right? Totally. And, and that's how I felt. Like people were like, oh yeah, it's totally normal. Here's how you fix that. Go read the book, Getting the Money, and yeah. uh, and I did, and oh. You mean I can find people to fund all of my deals so I can just use my operating capital to grow my business? Yeah. Wow. That was revolutionary. Yeah. It's so cool. Just those little like, hey, go read Getting the Money. And and then we turn our attention to something else we're talking. But that little comment allowed you to go and learn how to raise money and grow your business. And and like you said, not use all that money that you want to use for operations and growing it to like 
fun deals. It's just, it's amazing. You know, I, I've said it a million times. I won't go into it, but I sat next to Bill Allen the very first meeting of Seven Figure Flipping, and he made a comment to me about postcards, and he saved me seven cents on postcards. Mm. And over the course of a year, that paid for the entire program. It was a $25,000 tip that he casually gave me. And he was doing like no deals. He didn't know anything. He just yeah. knows how to negotiate prices and he knows where to, like, he's real conscious of like getting good deals. I really wasn't. And just a throwaway comment from someone who I was doing way more business than him at the time. Um, and he, he, he saved me a ton of money. So yeah, it, those, the mastermind is, a, is an amazing thing for sure. It's helped us all. But so <clears throat> let's talk a little bit now. Let's, let's just say, you had to start over, right? You know mm -hmm. what you know, you know, you've got all your experience and you were going to start over again with a family and kids and obligations and things that you want to do. What would you do? What would be your, your move if you were going to do that? How would you start it? I think, um, if I had to start over, do I have this experience or do I start all the experience? Fresh? You have all the, all experience. the experience. You know what you know, man, it's people. I think if I had to start over, it's leverage your, your network. I mean, I hate, I'm an introvert to the, I mean, I'm just a natural introvert. And so I can act like an extrovert. You know, I can get up on stage and talk to hundreds, thousands of people. It doesn't matter. All that stuff is comes easy to me, but when I come home, I want to be home. Totally. Yeah. And so, um, I would say, the power of the friendships. If I got to keep all the friendships, then I think I would be in a lot better, a better spot. Yeah. 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 I, I like that. I like the leveraging the friendships and just leaning on your network a little bit. When I started in this, my wife and I we're introverts, by the way, too. I think it's why we mm. get along so well. Yeah. I can I can do this. I have no problem doing this. You know, one on one's great. I can get on stage. No problem. Uh, I always tell people I need to be talking to over 100 people or under three people or I have a real hard time in the middle. You know, you put me in a room with 15 people. I'm just like in the corner, not talking to anybody. Um, but we didn't tell anybody when we started our business. Um almost chronically so to the point that my family, not 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 my immediate family, but like my parents and my extended family, they didn't know what we were doing until my wife and I were being featured in the biggest newspaper in Michigan on the front page. Like that's when, the, that's how they found out. We were so reluctant to tell people and get the negative feedback and like get this, like, cause doubts are always there. Like even now, like, I don't know about you, but like I always... I always worry about the what ifs that they could happen. And I, I mm -hmm. try not to, cause it's not healthy. I get it. And I'm getting older. I can't be, I can't be stressing out about things that I can't control, but I do worry. So, you know, I, I worried about hearing negative stuff. And so, yeah, I, I get it. And I think if I could do it over again, I would tell more people sooner that could have helped me or at least been someone who could listen and help me through some decisions and things like that. I didn't do that until I joined some figure flippings pretty much when I started letting people know what I was up to. So yeah, that's that's a good advice. I like that. So, what are you up to now? What are you doing in your business now that you're stoked about? That's working for you. Yeah, we um, we expanded into a second market. Um, there was a bunch of guys in the seven figure flipping mastermind group that have done it, and uh, I thought, you know what, I'm, we're going to do it because we're in Atlanta. It's very uber competitive. We have the i buyers and all those people here, and so they've pretty much cleared out the uh, what what you know the the cherry on the ice cream kind of stuff, right? You carpet and paint. Those, those deals don't exist for us down here. Yeah. So, or anymore. Um, and so what we did is we found a market that I fell in love with, gosh, 10, 15 years ago in Greenville, South Carolina. So we're in Greenville, South Carolina and Atlanta. Nice. Um, and it's, I tell you, man, 
we got a great start in Greenville and then we had a big hiccup and then it's like three months trying to pick up the pieces and, you know, and I'm not a quitter, so I was not going to quit, but yeah. man, I sure felt like it sometimes. So obviously everyone's dying to know now what right. the hiccup was, what happened. Yeah. So we had, uh, I, I converted this, um, this realtor who was in, interested in investing into an acquisitions guy for me. Right. So here's the screw up big time screw up was he was just like I was starting out. His wife was getting ready to be expecting. Right. Yeah. And I, I saw myself as the, the hero coming in to save him from the 10 years of stress I had being an ER doctor on call. Right. Like, dude, you can come in here and you can make a hundred thousand dollars a year and you can work pretty much nine to five. I mean, really with very rare exceptions. I mean, it's a pretty much a nine to five gig. Yeah. And, uh, and so he was all into it. His wife loved the idea because he was going to be home more. Yep. And so I honestly felt like I sold his wife more than I sold him. He's doing great. Three months in he, I'm up there. Everything's great. We go to lunch. Hey, how am I doing? You're doing awesome. How do you like it? Yeah, I love it. Week later, he calls me and says, hey, I'm going to go back with my Keller Williams team leader and we're going to start a uh, an investment division. <laughs> I couldn't resist that. Sorry. I, we were talking before the podcast and I heard these sound effects I'm dying to use. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had awesome. that one teed up. Um, yeah, I, that <laughs> that's rough. You People are tough. People are probably the hardest thing about... I, I always say you, you get into this business, whether it's real, whatever you're doing, being a realtor or, or investor or both, and you learn the business and you get really, really good at it and your business grows and it's strong and healthy and you're good at it. But then something happens when you when you need to grow to the next level or you don't want to be the guy doing everything. Now you bring people in and you have to download you basically into them. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not it's it's not easy to do because not everyone's you. They're not motivated the same way. It's hard to see into people's like character and their soul in an interview. So I'm, I'm sure he wasn't a bad guy necessarily, but maybe he was. I don't know. But. It's just tough, man. It's tough. It's like you, your whole business gets to a point because of you, and then it has to not be because of you at some point, or you're just a slave to it. So it's tough. Yeah. So, I mean, it started the journey of like a three month, you know, we weren't getting deals. I was going up and running acquisitions appointments and then still trying to run the company here in Atlanta. And it just got, it got chaotic. The work-life balance got way off, which it does, you know, the work-life balance is not really perfect equilibrium all the time anyway. Sure. So, uh, but we hustled and we found the right person and, you know, she locked up six deals in the last 10 days. So, nice. you know, yeah, it was great. So I felt like, you know, but for probably four months, we were just like, man, is there ever going to be traction up here? I know we can do it, but seriously, it's got to, something's got to happen. So yeah. now, now it's rolling. Good. Just out of curiosity, how did you get the leads flowing in a new market? Man, okay, I'm going to share the coolest secret I have. I oh, don't have very many cool secrets. So this here is we go. awesome. This is great. <laughs> I, I love that I just peeled back this onion. I'm getting like the coolest secret now. I guarantee well, I did, Bill didn't get I did, the secret. I did share it on Bill's podcast. Oh, but, crap. Uh, I didn't so, hear. All right. But if they haven't listened to Bill, this is a secret. <laughs> right. I thought, what, what can I do to spy on the market, right, while I'm here in Atlanta? and be a facilitator. And so I started a, uh, like a lot of social parties, investor groups. I actually started an investor group in Greenville. There weren't, there might've been one or two and they, there wasn't a lot of activity in it. So I was, <coughs> I was on a mission to get 500 people in this, this local investor group. And what was cool about that is I could go in and I could ask questions about the market and facilitate conversations. And they thought I was the expert, right? 
Wow. So they think that you know what you got going on. They think you're bigger than you are. You may not have ever done a deal, but you're the facilitator. And then when it came time, when we had a bunch of people, I'm like, hey, who would be interested in a meetup? Let's meet at a steakhouse or a beer a brewery or whatever, right? Yeah. And so we started doing these little meetups. Well, now I'll go up three days and I'll do a flash meetup. Let's do a flash meetup and 20 people show up for lunch. And so it's just those things helped me spy on that market and get to know it before I ever had to invest in it. That's awesome. So we did that for three months. I think I started that and we, we started marketing in like October of last year. And I think I set the Facebook group up in July. So I I was able to watch it for a couple of months. Wow. That's amazing. How many, so that, that's a super ninja tactic. I've never heard of that before. And, and it makes nothing but sense. And it's, it's not that probably hard to do, right? You just, you start it and how did you do word out? How did anybody find out about this group? You just, did you put it on like, um, what's that, what's that website where you like, is it meetup.com? I don't even know, but yeah. Okay. I did put, I put some stuff on meetup. Um, but I tell you the, the biggest thing is people go in and they search, um, Greenville real estate investors. Right. And it shows up on Google, Yeah, you know, Google, Google sources, all that stuff in their search engines. And then people, I mean, I think about it like you and I, we're looking for groups in our local market and well, I'll just type in Atlanta real estate meetup or whatever. And, and it just comes up. Wow. And so we were at, the, at one time we had five or six people joining a day. It's leveled off a lot, but um, cause I'm not pushing. And then I would run Facebook ads to it. You can, if you run Facebook ads to that, you can usually capture, I think we were capturing customers at like 30, 40 cents. Wow. That's amazing. How so, many people did you, how many people are in it? Uh, we have about s- almost 700 right now. Wow. Yep. That's amazing. Do you do anything online with it or is it just all in person? Like you meet up once in a while or how do you run it? You're not there. How are you running this? I don't do anything with it. We just, I'll do an impromptu who wants to get together a top golf or whatever. And 20 people will show up. And so I get to meet the 20 people that show up and then, um, and then, and, but guys are doing deals inside of the group. Yeah. And I post, and I post my deals inside of the group. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really cool. Like it's a, it's a whole big thing. People will post. It's where, you know, I, I tell people if you're interested in real estate deals in Greenville, these are the guys that are doing deals inside this group. That's and awesome. I've met some awesome investors, you know? So cool. Is Greenville yeah. a big market? I don't even, I don't know anything about Greenville. No, it's a fairly small, mid, small, mid market. It's um, growing like a lot of the smaller markets are, you know, but. Yeah. And that's by design. Obviously you're coming from mm-hmm. Atlanta. You weren't looking for another major Metro. How did you just, we don't have to get super deep, but how did you pick that market? Well, I, I loved it because I visited it several times. I knew that it was growing and it had a ton of potential back in 04 when I was there. Mm-hmm. And then when, and then of course, when I went back in 2000. 18, I couldn't believe how much it had grown. And so I think the, the thing to look for when you're going to a new market is what is the traject- trajectory of the market? What happened 20 years ago that's going to cause something to get some traction yeah. and grow like wildfire like Greenville is today? Yeah. And, that, and what happened was is this mayor 15, 20 years ago had this vision for this river that flowed through the, this little area of Greenville downtown. And so there was main street. Nobody wanted to go on main street 20 years ago. He put this whole park in all up and down and uh, put some other things in place. And the, uh, there's a, a cultural center that kind of came in at the same time. Well, that's all he needed to do. All of a sudden there's tons of parks. There's people going downtown. All of a sudden there's part people starting to move. So what did the city do in the recent, to you know, dozen, half dozen, dozen, whatever, go back in time, see what has happened and see what the response to those changes have been. Yeah. Because the city, at least in this particular market, still is like 
we're not done. Like they, they're, they're adding parks, they're doing all this other stuff. And I think parks are a good indicator of a city that, that means business. Yeah. You know, I like that. That's super yep. smart. And you, you said you found another uh, person to run acquisitions. Yep. Was it as a woman? I think you said it was a woman. Yeah. It's a yeah. woman. You know, funny, our company's nice guys buying houses and there's like only two of us and the rest of them are women. <laughs> well, are you nice guys or not? It's not false <laughs> right. advertising. You're a nice guy. So that's good. Yeah. Um, so how did you find her? Uh, she seems to be mm -hmm. working out so far. Well, how did you find her? Yeah, so I put an ad out on Wise Hire and uh, had a bunch of people uh, come in. And I, you know, what if I could caution anybody that's getting ready to hire somebody, just hire super slow. You hear it all the time, and yeah. there's a reason for it. Don't hire out of desperate need. Hire slow and purposeful. And so this time we did. Uh, we had a guy that worked at a, a mattress place, and we were going to hire him. He was great. Um, and then this gal came along and she just kind of blew our socks off and, and it's okay. I, I, I tell people, make sure you layer your hiring process, be watching the people that are getting on the train right now. Even if you're interviewing at the end, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, watch for the number one draft pick that just got let go and is showing up in your wise hire accounts. And, um, that might beat out this person that you've just put through to the final interview. Yeah. That's smart. That's really so, smart. Did you, and that's how she, she came along. She was, she just kind of showed up and I was like, we need to talk to this person before we make an offer to this guy. What was her background? What did she do before? Yeah, she had a cool job. She'd been in sales, a lot of different sales, pharmaceutical. Um, but her last job was she sold, uh, rooms at, um, assisted living facilities. Oh, wow. Okay. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. I, I know that your philosophy on this, as far as salespeople, is to hire someone with, with great sales experience and, and um, uh, you know, achievements. Make sure they're good at sales. Mm -hmm. Real estate secondary. Like, I, I, I'm almost to the point now where I almost don't want them to have real estate experience. I just want them to be a killer salesperson. Yeah. And real estate can come. It's just, if you're a sale, if you're a really good salesperson, it almost doesn't matter what industry you're in. It really doesn't. But I, yeah. but I have heard successful people come from uh, pharmaceutical sales for whatever reason. It seems to be a hotbed. So, yeah. I would think pharmaceuticals, anywhere where they get incredible training, closing skills, right? Yeah. And rapport building skills. I even think uh, internet sales managers at car dealerships make would make good people. Totally. Yeah, you know. I like that. Car dealerships is a good one. I think that's that's a tough job where you're always trying to close. Like that's all you're ever doing. So, and if you think about it too, Mike, I mean, on that side of it is, if you can cherry pick successful salespeople who are working eighty hours a week, you know, and you can talk them into working fifty and yeah. having a good family life, yeah. um, you know, the sale, the auto sales, they grind those guys out totally. Yep, and I think I do think that our industry can be kind of a, the autonomy is pretty nice. And you can you can really set your hours. You can move appointments mm -hmm. around, and you can get pretty creative. And I, I know as far as as far as our company goes, uh, we get a really good sales guy. We give him a lot of latitude in terms of like make the schedule your own. If you if you have a, a child who's in a play at two o'clock in the afternoon, schedule it off. Just mm -hmm. just move things around. Right. It's totally the the beauty of sales, and it should be so. That's that's awesome, man. I listen. I'm gonna. Um, I'm going to see you in a few months. We're going to uh, Flip Hacking Live. I know you're speaking at Flip Hacking Live again, so that's looking awesome. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Yep, I'm looking forward to hearing you. It's going to be a fun event. So uh, I've mentioned it on this podcast, but I'll do it again right now because it's probably appropriate. I do have tickets for that event, um, significantly discounted off of what you'll find on the website. So don't bother going there. Go to juststartrealestate.com forward slash Flip Hacking Live, and you will get my super ultra secret discount that nobody else is going to get except you guys. So um, go there and 
check it out. And, um, uh, Terry's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Uh, it's going to be a fun event packed with full of awesome investors and great networking. And I'm an introvert. I know you're an introvert, but still, this is worth it. This is one that mm. I would go to whether I was involved or not, because I know that there's just tons of good stuff that's going to be happening that I don't want to miss. So that's going to be fun. And I'm as always, I'm excited to see you in a few months. We're uh, legitimately friends, not just uh, podcast friends here. So yeah. um, it's going to be awesome. So I'm looking forward to seeing you, man. Thanks for being on. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for taking the time away from uh, friends and family and things. And looking forward to seeing you in a few months. It was an honor, man. Thanks, Mike. All right, brother. We'll see you soon. Okay. Right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Terry. Uh, he is He really is a good friend. I love that guy a lot. Um, I've learned a lot from him and I've really enjoyed being around him over the last three or four years that we've known each other. He's an inspirational guy and he is uh, really a good reminder that, you know, we're trying to make money in this business. We're all trying to be successful and find how we can build and grow and scale and hire and, you know, get, get better and better deals and all this stuff. But he's a great reminder that, um, what's really important is your family and your friends and, and living your life and, and being, you know, happy with your with your downtime and looking for that downtime and not just living for the next deal. So I, I like being reminded of that. Uh, it's very important to me as well. And I like being around people um, who prioritize family and friends and, and all those kind of things. So hopefully you enjoy that. I know uh, he is running, by the way, in, in addition to being like a great family guy, he's running a really good business. Like he's super modest, but he's expanding into new markets and and he's a killer salesperson himself and and he's just he's killing it and he's killing it on his terms which is is a good lesson for us so um i'm glad you enjoyed that and uh and, and i'm happy to bring that kind of content to you so um let's get out there and get after it but remember uh what's important those of you those uh who you love and who love you and, and spending time with those folks as well so until next time guys get out there and just start